I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, Brett, there's a little bit of news to get into this week. Some that's probably good-ish, maybe optimistic news, and then some that's kind of like, okay, that's interesting news. But first off, how you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. It's a nice day out. (laughs) It has been pretty nice this week in Phoenix. The weather has been, what, like the low, low 90s, high 80s, so a nice break from Arizona. Yeah, me and the uh, fiance went for a little walk before this around the neighborhood in the old big tree irrigation areas where it's even a little bit cooler. It was, it was really nice. Nice, nice. Well, let's let's get into it because there is some stuff that's surrounding the Arizona programs. We'll start with basketball news. It's not really news. It's more interesting. Brandon Williams had an Instagram chat with an inter- interview with. I'm not even sure who the guy is that he was doing the interview with, but it was a pretty good job and we all know Brandon Williams as the guy who two years ago he was a freshman who was really good, or pretty good, on a team that wasn't very good. Then he had knee surgery after the year. He missed all of last season. And there's always been that question mark of, will he ever play again? Will he play for the Wildcats? What's his status? And then Sean Miller, we talked on a little last week, had kind of raised some eyebrows when he mentioned the idea of maybe two open scholarships left. And it's like, wait a minute, they only have one. Does that mean... Well, the easiest dots to connect were Brandon Williams not taking up a scholarship anymore. Brandon Williams had a com- that conversation. He basically said that he plans on playing next year. He's just not sure where it's going to be. Some people might see that as him considering a transfer. I see it as him considering going pro. And as I wrote for AZ Desert Swarm, that post, we're recording this on Wednesday, it posted tonight, I think he should go pro no matter what. But it's still interesting that, one, Williams expects to play, and two, he's not sure where it's going to be. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the, the casual fan, when they hear go pro, especially from, like, a guy that was a top 50 recruit in his class, they assume that means try to go to the NBA. But that's, you know, I think we talked about before with, like, the G League as a, as a more viable option, uh, you know, all the overseas options. There's, there's a good amount of ways for a young guy to make a pretty good amount of money, even if it's only for a couple years. And... If you're Brandon Williams and if you believe, you know, his degenerative knee issues, you know, they're not going to necessarily get better. You know, there's there's only so much tread on the tire. He's almost like a the basketball equivalent of a running back right now where it's like, man, you maybe got five years. And, you know, uh, ESPN Sean Miller story jokes aside, he can probably make more money <laughs> uh, playing even overseas, right? And even if it's on a low contract for a year to show, show people that he's healthy and then maybe get that chance for like a G League spot and see what he could do. Yeah, the, the challenge for him, and like I wrote that I think he should go pro, and that's that wouldn't be the NBA right now. I think no one's going mean, to, maybe if he was able to prove he was healthy whenever the NBA season starts up, he could get a camp invite by someone as an undrafted guy, but no one's going to draft him in for good reason. Now, if he came back to Arizona and played well for, let's say he was healthy all next season and played well, then he played one more year, stayed healthy, and played really well, then yes, he would probably get drafted. But with his, knee in, with his knee issue, this is the second time he's had surgery on his knee for this very thing, and it does make you wonder how much tread is left on those tires. And this is a decision that only Brandon Williams can make. Right? We can't say he should go pro, he should come back, but he, only he knows how healthy he is, he, only he knows what his knee is like, and he said all the right things, that he expects to be just fine, that he's going to put the knee stuff behind him, that he's not worried about going forward, but like, this two knee surgeries in what, like four seasons for him? 
He's already missed like two, two out of the last four seasons because of this. So you do have to wonder how much basketball does he have left. And if his dream has been to be a professional basketball player, and I imagine from the moment he realized he was good, that was his dream, then it's best to take advantage of that as soon as he can because he could come back to Arizona and get hurt again, a la maybe someone like Ray Smith, and never get a chance at the next level, whatever that next level is. So Brandon Williams would be a great addition to next year's team. We've talked about that, how key he could be if he was healthy. But at the same time, I think he needs to be selfish. And if he's looking out for Brandon Williams and Brandon Williams only, that probably means not spending any more time not getting paid to play basketball because who knows how much time he will have to get paid to play basketball. Yeah, I mean, if, if Brandon Williams was healthy and wanted to play for the University of Arizona, there's no way he makes the team worse. Even no, at 80%, I think even at eighty percent, I think he makes the team considerably better. I think he was the best guy on the team two years ago, and he would have been one of the top guys this, this past season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it's he he might be in an interesting spot where maybe he can, you know, I don't know if they, have they, did they delay, like, all of the pre-draft camps, like the Portsmouth invitational did, thing yeah. for, like, the, because, yeah. like, that could be a, if he can get an invite to that, he can probably parlay that, even if it's not to an NBA camp, show that he's healthy to people, uh, and, you know, all the scouting community has contacts everywhere, I'm sure, because even for overseas leagues, and they could say, hey, you know, you did me a favor on finding some guy for the draft two years ago. Here's a guy that can come to your team and, you know, produce for a few years, right? And yeah. he could he could make a six figure salary playing in Europe next next year. And like for a twenty year old kid, there's worse things than making a hundred K playing basketball in Europe. Yeah, oh and that's the thing where he has to prove he can stay healthy if he's going to have any type of career in basketball. But he could do it like he could come back and play for Arizona next season and then the knee goes out on him again. So to me, if someone will pay him to play basketball as long as he can stay healthy. He's not going to get necessarily a huge guaranteed contract from anyone. But if he can show that he's healthy enough, he doesn't have to prove he can make it through a full season, which, of course, he won't be able to do until he does. But he can rehab. He can get all the strength training and everything from that team. And he can get paid to play basketball. And maybe his dream is always – maybe he just wants to be a college basketball player, but I doubt that. College basketball, I'm sure for a lot of these guys, is – the next step or the means to get to the professional leagues, ideally the NBA, which if Brandon Williams was healthy, is probably his trajectory to get to the NBA, play in that league. But right now, his best bet might be to go play in the G League or overseas and show that he can be healthy because if he can play two seasons in a pro league and stay healthy, then what do you think the chances of getting a look in an NBA camp are? They're probably pretty good because his skill set is there, and if he can show that he is back to being what he was before the injuries, he's a good player, a valuable player to have. So it's totally his decision. Like you said, if he wanted to come back to Arizona, he doesn't make them a worse team, and Arizona would take him with open arms, I'm sure. But if you want to look at it from the Arizona perspective, they now have more guard depth than they did last season, right? When you have Terrell Brown, you have Kirk Christie, you have James Akinjo. <laughs> you have guys on this team who can play the point guard position, play the two-guard position for you. So Williams would be a luxury at this point. They've certainly acted like they're not expecting him to be part of next year's team with their recruiting. So he's a bonus if he's there. But to me, and again, this is not my decision to make. It's not your decision to make. It's no one's decision to make but Brandon Williams's. But if I was him, or I think, I mean, I can't say because I'm not him, but it would seem to be that the best course of action for his continued career in basketball would be to start getting paid to play it as soon as he can because, yeah, he could make some good money. If he only has one or two seasons in those knees, get paid. Be a pro. Because even if you're not in the NBA, you are still getting paid to be a professional basketball player. That's not something that everyone gets to say. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think you can kind of see how these conversations happen between the coaches and players and their families and, and the decision makers, right? Where I, th- I think if one thing... Sean Miller has with a, has a reputation with his players and the players' families is that they have pretty open communication and conversations about things like this, and that's where, for Sean Miller, he has to kind of operate under the assumption if it's highly likely he's going to go elsewhere that he needs to be filling that spot. And we, you know, they kind of have to mutually find the agreement fairly quickly along the same timeline, which requires a lot of conversation. But we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think that interview combined with Sean Miller's comments probably tells you that he's not playing at Arizona next year. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see him transferring, though, right? Like, I don't think he I, says, 
I'm going to go to play for Oregon now, or I'm going to go to Gonzaga or go somewhere else. Because, yeah, there's depth at the guard spots at Arizona now, and he might not be the guy. But could, And I don't think you have to sit out a year because he sat out all last season. He'd probably get a waiver to play immediately. But that just seems like a tough, a tough thing to expect him to do or to think he would do. Yeah, I think if he ends up transferring, that just tells me he did not get a invite to a camp, Portsmouth Invitational, or or any type of reasonable contract overseas. Yeah. That's the only way I see that happening. And he says, all right, well, I need to transfer to prove my health, and I'm going to get more minutes somewhere else. And But that's the thing. Like, is he expecting to get 30 minutes a game? Because that probably wouldn't happen at Arizona now with the guard depth Arizona has now. But just – and I wrote it in a column that he's a guy who could have gone to Oregon. He could have gone to Gonzaga. Those are two high-quality programs that were after him when he decommitted from Arizona the first time, and he stuck with Sean Miller and the Wildcats played his freshman season, stuck with the program through his injury, through the rehab. I guess I could see Arizona saying, Brandon, we don't have a spot for you anymore because we don't, we can't count on you to play 25 minutes a game with your knee. But I also just don't see them kicking him off the team in that way. But at, like to your point, it's, it's, you could see Sean Miller saying, Brandon, we don't, we, just, we don't have a spot for you on this team. You know, We'd advise you go pro, and at that point, if Williams says, I'm not ready to go pro, I want to play college, then he could transfer. But I I don't see him wanting to transfer, if that makes sense. Like, if he decides, yeah. if he accepts that's the only course of action or the best course, maybe, but I just can't see that being, when he says the only course, he's just, it's just a matter of where at this point he will play. I don't imagine it was between Arizona, we'll just say Oregon, and the pros. I imagine that comment from him is Arizona or the professional league, somewhere. Yeah, honestly, I think it's more which professional league and worst case scenario to have to transfer. And even then I think he can medically retire from Arizona, maybe get qualified somewhere else, maintain his scholarship here in the meantime. There's it's, it's a, it's a hard, you know, unfair situation. Cause I don't think any, but I don't think anybody, Brandon Williams, Sean Miller, Arizona fans would, you know, have any ill will or ill feelings and like want to ever him to do what's best for him and would love it. Have, there was never any medical issues, but it's just not the way the, the hand was dealt, right? Right, right. And speaking of the transfers, another thing that's coming out looks like the NCAA was considering a one-year transfer waiver resolution, which would basically allow players to transfer and not have to sit out a year. It looks like they're going to table that, is the report, until at least next academic year. I'm trying to think, Arizona doesn't have any guys. I mean, just James Akinjo would be the only one. He's only expected to miss, if at all, the first half of the season. But there's certainly been times where, like, Jordan Brown could have played last year if he didn't have to sit out. Or the traditional transfers, anyway, who have to sit out a year. They could play one time. They could do it and play immediately. I think eventually it, that's a tough call because I feel like players should have a right to transfer. Coaches leave all the time, and they don't have to no. sit out a year. But also, if you allow players to – and this is what they would argue, and I, I don't know which side of the fence I fall on. But if you allow players to transfer without having to sit out, then does it become free agency in a way? Like, I mean, yeah. I, and that's the thing. Oh, I didn't, I didn't like this. I'm just going to go there now and there. And if it's a one-time thing, you get to transfer once like that. Well, still, like, I don't know. Grad transfers is kind of like free agency, like the immediate transfers. But I could certainly, if the argument against that type of waiver is that players are just going to come and go and it's going to be free agency in college, I can see that. At the same time, if you want to say, but yeah, but coaches can leave and they don't just sit out. Why don't players get to do the same thing? I can see that, too. So I don't really have a strong opinion on this type of rule that they're going to maybe implement next year, but I can certainly see the challenges with making that change. I mean, two points. One, to the rule itself. You know, if you want to do it right, it would be that if a coach leaves, all players get granted the right to transfer immediately. If they're staying, then they have. To, then you could use the traditional rules, and that seems like a reasonable compromise to me. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. The, the transfer rule... You know, you mentioned Akinjo, and obviously that's, uh, you know, something that's definitely in play. I almost wonder if if we have another roster spot and if we don't get the one or two other Euros, if suddenly we go a grad transfer route uh, and another scholarship essentially opens up in that sense where you can have somebody, uh, or not even a grad transfer, you know, just, you can go get a traditional transfer in the portal and play immediately. That might, you know, be able to go uh, grocery shopping for some post-step. Yeah, and, and, and how it, but like, say this rule was in place where they could have the one-time transfer, and it's like, 
How would that even work? Would a player have to go into the portal first, or could there be those back channels type of things that you get in the professional leagues when they're dealing with agents or friends of the agents or whatever? And you say, huh, Arizona needs this. Well, this guy's over on that program. They're not very good. Hey, what do you say about coming to Arizona and having a big role? Like, it's just there's a can of worms that would be opened up with something like that. But, yeah, if you're Arizona right now, we've talked about their roster is fairly set, it seems like. There are possibilities for one or maybe two other players, and I wouldn't mind the traditional transfer route at this point for them in that, okay, someone can sit out a year and be ready for next year. I think it's good to have a traditional transfer in the pipeline almost every year just because that person can come in and be a fresh face who's not a freshman and who has experience in your system. But in terms of, like, the immediate impact, yeah, I guess if they could find another big, that'd be nice. Or always shooting, but I don't know what's out there that provides that. I know there's the, the rumors still, but I think the that second Euro guy's been the rumor for about three weeks, and it hasn't happened yet. So I, but, that, but that's what happens. Like, if transfers become just a, like you said, grocery shopping, ooh, let's go get that guy. He can play right now. It would certainly change the game, which is changing. Like, it's the one-and-done thing's probably going to go away soon. And there's a lot of changes to college basketball, and maybe it's going to be one fell swoop. If you make one change, then you do these other ones. It's a domino type of thing, and this is one of them. But I can understand concern with making that change. That's all. I mean, it's not an opinion. It's not no. a strong take or anything. I just, It's interesting to me and what it could do. By the way, when you were talking about the, the back-channel conversations and how that works, the image just came to mind of a Nike rep leading a trail of shoes and $100 bills to McHale Center to from... <laughs> For whoever Sean Miller wants to come to this team. Is that bad? Yes. That would be really bad. Yeah. I have, I have, I have some blunt realities to tell you about for how college basketball and shoe companies work, Adam. Uh, one, one other bit of news here, and this is Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports is reporting that the NCAA voted to allow voluntary activities to resume June 1st in football and men's and women's basketball, which June 1st is, let's see, we're recording on May 20th. So less than two weeks away from saying players could come back and start working out voluntarily, of course, which is we'll see how voluntary. I know, like, the NFL has voluntary workouts, and it's basically if you're not there, then they're, you're going to be judged because of it. Like, you're supposed to be there. I imagine it's a little different in college because these kids are on summer break right now, and obviously there's still a coronavirus pandemic. So it would be hard to say you have to come to campus and practice, but... You could look at it and say, well, the NCAA sees a light at the end of the tunnel. That's June 1st. Oh, maybe things are getting better. Of course, you could also say, well, just because they're allowing that doesn't mean the pandemic is over, which is that's a whole separate conversation that we don't seem to have here. But I'm curious how this would go. Because if you're like, say, Arizona football, who had, what, four spring practices, if you could get guys to work out, that's a big deal, more so than maybe some others. But I, I'm a little bit uneasy about this. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I good news in that it's a step towards sports coming back, but does it really mean that much right now um, for sports coming back in general in the more broad sense? And also from an Arizona Wildcats perspective, you know, those voluntary workouts, uh, a lot of those things are just like non-coached activities that the coaches are like, hey, guys, here's the plan for the summer. Here's every day's schedule kind of thing, right? And that, But it's player run. Um, I don't like the thing that concerns me is that even if they can start doing that, I don't think the defense can run drills to understand their new system. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and, the, you know, I think it's mostly valuable for like quarterbacks and receivers to get trust and timing on routes and things like that. And none of them are new. or I mean, few of them are new. Right. And we only lost one receiver and the, we know who the starting quarterback is. And he played a lot last year. So, you know, is it is it good in that sense? Sure. But. I, you know, I, we'll see. I, with the coronavirus thing is nobody really knows where things are going to go. And maybe the heat brings the virus rates down for a little while, but then they can always shoot right back up. And if things start to spread, all this plan, these plans can go out the window in a, at a moment's notice, right? Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like, it's important to remember that this really became a huge issue like for sports in March. And like activities in college sports have been on hold since March 12th. So since that time everyone's still learning about like the scientists are learning about the virus itself and people are everybody's trying to figure out okay what can we do to get back to normalcy and of course <laughs> it you you can't ignore the fact that the ncaa wants sports to come back because of the money right and and that's the important thing to remember like this isn't a they're they're amateurs adam right. what are you talking yeah. about 
Uh, and that's the thing. Like, you want to look and say, oh, this means there might be sports. Things are getting better. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means the NCAA is like, well, maybe we can make this work. And we've heard President Robert Robbins is talking about getting kids to campus back at U of A and what they're going to do, the test trace and whatever. I forget. The, I think there were three T's that he had going on there. And, like, it's possible that there are ways to do this safely and they can start up with sports again and just continue on without having to stop. But just saying June 1st voluntary activities doesn't mean that come September football is going to be back, right? And, that, and that's the thing that we have to remember. So it's nice to see this in that it feels like a step in the right direction. But if it happens, if players start reporting, we'll have a lot better. Like, everything's a day-by-day, week-by-week proposition at this time with the COVID-19, with the coronavirus pandemic. So I, I wish I could believe that the NCAA's motives were pure. But I sure as hell know they're not. And that's why I'm kind of just like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't love this. Like, I like the idea. I'm pretty sure I don't like the practice or the execution. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, I, you know, for the fans out there, even with this, you're still a long ways from you and I using my season tickets to attend a game, even if there are games in the fall, right? Yeah. Because that's a whole doing the uh connecting the dots on the challenges and logistics of keeping people safe at arizona stadium and it gets even more tricky right um just from even getting people in and out of the stadium without being on top of each other in bathrooms and you know arizona stadium is not exactly known for its cavernous spaces in the corridors yeah but maybe one thing that would benefit arizona is they're thinking like maybe stadiums would have to be like 30 percent capacity which is fairly normal for a late-season Arizona game. So that would be like, gonna, We can rebrand that as a sellout, Adam. <laughs> like, we only have 25,000 people in the stadium because that's all we're allowed to have. Yes, we're keeping you now, safe. <laughs> hey, our announced crowds have been beyond that for almost every game. <laughs> Physical crowds, on the other hand. Yeah. So it's, we're, we're all hoping that sports, like not just sports, we're all hoping that things can get back to normal, and that includes sports. But hope doesn't make it happen, you know. So we need some good fortune, some good luck with the virus and just people making good decisions, hopefully, and we'll get there. And maybe sports doesn't start on schedule, but it happens a little bit late. That's fine. Just I feel like we can't want our desire for sports to supersede our desire for safety. And that's where... You hear all the school presidents, including Robert Robbins, and some of the ADs have talked about the plans to get sports back. And, yes, we all want sports back. But do it the right way, everyone, please. I understand that college kids probably aren't at, aren't likely to be victims of this virus in any serious way, but also they're still learning that. There's things. And there's more than just college kids that go to games, that, they, that referee the games, that coach and all that. Like, just do this the right way. That's all I'd ask. I can't say I know what that is. But well, can can I can I proselytize for a moment? Yes, please. If you if you want to have college sports this fall, like we all do, better to err on the side of acting responsibly now to keep the spread of the disease down by wearing masks, social distancing, even if you're going out, just being smart about it, washing your hands. All those things will help contribute to college football and basketball coming back sooner. So just just do it. Works the more you know. Nike school as well. So hey, sponsor us, Nike. <laughs> we have tens, if not dozens, of listeners on the regular. I believe that's true, but I haven't seen the numbers to verify it. But all right, I think that wraps up our news. Just like last week, we're going to get into some football position groups. We're going to talk about the cornerbacks and the safeties right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody. And like we said, we're going to talk about the depth chart, cornerbacks and safeties. And it's almost funny in that you couldn't have two wildly, more wildly different positions at this moment for Arizona as we sit here. And now I believe we can call this late May. In that cornerback, there seems to be a lot of depth. Safety, there appears to be no depth. We're going to start with the good here, with the depth. So, Brett, you got cornerbacks. What can you tell us about Arizona's group of cornerbacks? So I did the kind of similar analysis that I did last week and shared it with you. Uh, one of the, you know, we, we have collectively just, you know, to jump to the conclusion, I feel like, as you said, we have pretty good depth. We have some experience, and we have upside. You know, and those are the kind of things you want to have in a position oh, good group. things. <laughs> yeah, you know... I, would I always like to have more guys that I feel good about contributing? Yes. <laughs> Would I like to have maybe a few more upperclassmen that you can count on to, to be a more reliable performer week in, week out? Yes. You know, some of our most talented guys are, are sophomores or, or younger, uh, so they're kind of inherently still unproven, even with the experience they've had. Uh, you know, I think one starter spot is pretty much in ink, given he's a, a senior and has been playing at a decent level uh, Arizona Lorenzo Burns. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine he's not starting. No. Uh, I mean, he's there. He's the only senior at corner. Uh, the only junior is Malik Hausman, who's a redshirt jun- junior, and I don't even think he's seen much of the field, if at all. No. That poor kid. You know, he's the guy that got hit by a car on his recruiting visit and tore his ACL, and seems to have, you know, kind of never recovered fully from that. So I think it's it's kind of a make or break year for him because he's running out of time. But then you get to the whole the rest of the room. There's I have five more guys uh, listed on there: uh, Bobby Wolf, Mackenzie Barnes, Christian Nolan Wallace, Edric, I think Whitley, uh, the freshman they got from Texas, and Kari Crump. Is it Kari or Kahari? Do you know I Ronnie? Don't. Ronnie? Ronnie? Where are you? <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm going to assume that the two freshmen, they're they both. You know, if the recruiting rankings and kind of discussions around them and seeing film, they, if they both seem to have pretty high-end potential, but they're also true freshmen, so I'm going to assume that they're probably not playing much other than maybe some spot snaps, maybe a little red shirt chance, maybe on special teams. Uh, and I think you got Lorenzo Burns as the starter. And then that leaves Bobby Wolf, Mackenzie Barnes, and Christian Nolan Wallace competing for the other spot. I'm going to get to the other... Uh, jump to the other conclusion I have here um, because I'm kind of of the mindset that one of those guys, most likely Mackenzie Barnes or Christian Wallen Wallace is going to move to safety uh, just because the numbers <laughs> dictate that we need more guys to safety as you'll kind of go over with the safety group. Yeah, but that, I think that won't take long actually. Yeah. It's a short story. It is. <laughs> um, you know, if, if, if I had my, my way, I think, I think Michael Lev was the first one to raise this during the season, I think it was last year, um, that Christian Nolan Wallace, to me, has the body type, straight line speed, and just kind of the makeup to be a hell of a, a, a guy as a free safety in the back of the back of the um, defensive backfield. And so, in my mind, he'd move him there where I think he has a chance to be an elite safety, even though that probably takes away your... <laughs> guy with the most starting experience in the current safety group or one of the guys uh in Jarius Wallace but you know if your objective is to put the most guys on the best guys on the field to win the game I think you do that and then you let Bobby Wolf and uh Mackenzie Barnes battle it out for the two and three spots and I think I think that they would probably feel better if Bobby Wolf won that because he has pretty high upside as, as well you know he's a pretty high he was a, I think he was a four-star recruit um you know play, Seemed like he got a little humbled when he went to camp at Arizona, which, you know, it's got to be real humbling for a four-star recruit to go to a four and eight football team's camp and get humbled. <laughs> um, you know, that'll 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 knock you up your pedestal for for a but few he weeks. Did, but he did get some playing time last season. Yeah, and he and I think he showed some flashes. 
uh, as did I think Mackenzie Barnes in his in his time so far at Arizona. So, you know, I don't know if there's anyone that's a star yet. I think Lorenzo Burns is what he is, which is, you know, a he's decent kind of. I think he's a decent league average corner, right? Um, which that's compared to where we were a couple of years ago in the cornerback room uh, when we had uh, no one. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was like 2018 where it was like, uh, who's who's starting? Yeah, when uh, we're going like to start walk-ons playing like starting. You're like, oh, this is not ideal. I, yeah, was that the was that the year Sammy Morrison started as a true freshman his first game as like a two star recruit in the first game of the season? It might have been, and I, I think you're right. Like, and that's where the numbers are certainly on the cornerback side of the secondary. I do struggle with the idea. Of, like, we'll get to the safeties with moving Christian Roland Wallace just because he could be an elite safety. Like, he has the size to do that, but he also looks like he could be a pretty damn good cornerback. Like he was last season. He was a true freshman. He had his issues, and there are different ways to get someone like him on the field to play kind of like a hybrid role, and that's what we have to see with this defense that Paul Rhodes brings, where you could kind of be like a safety corner, that nickel guy, kind of like Jace Whitaker played somewhat last season for them. Like, So cornerback safety, where he lines up, who knows exactly. But you know he does have the size to do it, but he also, at his size and speed, if he can be, if he just plays cornerback, he'll probably be good there. And that gives you a chance to have, especially when Lorenzo Burns leaves after this season, then you'll need to have more cornerbacks. Now, maybe Bobby Wolf is ready to step in and be your second corner right now. And if he is, great, because then you could move someone like Roland Wallace to the back of the secondary. But certainly just the depth of that group, it's funny because cornerbacks have that really tough job in that if you have no pass rush, it doesn't really matter. Like Arizona's defense was not good last season, and you're not going to say, oh, the cornerbacks were great. You can't. But they... We've seen them play individually. We've seen what Lorenzo Burns can do. We saw what Roland Wallace did. We saw what some of these other guys did, and they're they're fine. Like if they're not stars, they're fine. And with a better pass rush from the front seven, they'll look a lot better too. So I like the numbers there. And to your point, Brett, there's a lot of talent in that room to where they probably will move some guys to or to safety just because they need. If not, like move them permanently, kind of cross train them there on safety to let them learn those spots. Like if Roland Walls can handle safety too, there are guys who can do that and just move back and forth wherever you're needed. And it would certainly help to have that position flexibility, especially given the situation, because they may not need a starting safety right now, you know, and I'll get into that, but they could use more depth at that spot or more guys who can do that. And you'd rather learn that in camp than in week four when there's injuries and all of a sudden you have one week to learn that position before you're just thrown into it. Yeah, and so I'll give a little I'll add a little nuance to my perspective of wanting to move one of them and making it more permanent rather than just cross-training. Because, like, if you took out Lorenzo Burns next year as a graduating guy and you took out Christian Roland Wallace or Mackenzie Barnes, one of them moves to safety permanently, that would leave you Malik Hausman, who's probably not starting. But you'd still have Bobby Wolf, one of Mackenzie Barnes, Christian Roland Wallace, Edric Whitley, and Kari Crump at corner. I, I feel good about that. You know, you don't need seven starting caliber corners, right? I think you ha- it, by that time. These well, uh, maybe not in their yes defense, and no. though. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're and you know you don't need as many safeties uh, in the new in the new defensive scheme. And I don't have to try to explain or understand the difference between a bandit and uh, a <laughs> and what's the other you know the other the other terms they came up for the for the, the safeties in Rich Rod's defense but right. if you're gonna if you like to me you you almost have a log jam and they're because they're all young guys Wolf Barnes Roland Wallace Whitley Crump are all sophomores and freshmen right so you're kind of creating a log jam there and to me it almost makes sense if you're gonna do do something just do it and make the move early and let them hone their craft as early as possible yeah uh I, 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 I would agree you probably want to have some cross-training, and I'm sure there's, like, some of these guys could be, in a nickel package, really interesting fits. Like, Roland Wallace, as a move him in as a nickel guy, and then, you know, bring in, or, or Barnes as a nickel guy, and bring in one of the other guys to kind of, to, to be the boundary corner. Um, so there's some options there. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you can never really have enough fast athletic guys that can 
<laughs> run with receivers. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to win as many games as possible next year, like I think they that Kevin Sumlin and crew need to do, I think you got to make the move and just commit to it early, personally. And that's where I think that's like a good segue into the safeties part of this conversation is that that move probably would have been, well, I guess Young left a little bit later in the process, but that move would have been made already, right? We know who they're going to put there. If it's going to be Brennan Schooler, for instance, who came over as a receiver but has expressed interest in playing some safety, he also has experience there. If they're going to move Christian Roland Wallace, they probably would have done that already. And by losing out on spring ball, in the ensuing, I guess the ensuing, what's the word I'm looking for? Just what would have come from that? You know, they would have seen their depth or who could be better. Or who's Maybe if Bobby Wolf is ready to ascend to be the number two cornerback this season, then you feel better at moving Rowan Wallace to a safety spot. And some of these, maybe the other freshmen too, like Crump, or I, I, if they had those guys, if they had a chance to play and they performed, then you could feel better about them being used as cornerbacks this season. Because cornerback's probably one of those positions where, as a, we saw it last year, freshmen can come in and play and be productive and not detrimental to you because it's very much a, if you're a good athlete with decent ball skills, you could have a chance to at least contribute as a freshman. But the issue is at safety now because Arizona used to have, it seemed like, a lot of depth, but they lost Scotty Young Jr., Troy Young, Xavier Bell, and Chacho Loa, which leaves Arizona as, yeah, that, there's some names there that Arizona fans know, and the depth is now basically gone for this team. So, it's, is that a bad thing with the way the safeties played, though? And that's, I think it was like Rich Rod in his second season. The joke was like, the good news is everybody's coming back. The bad news is everyone's coming back. You know, like, and that, that's a good point. But if you look at it right now, they have Reedy Short, Jackson Turner, Jarius Wallace, and Christian Young. That's it for safeties. And Paul Rhodes' defense doesn't require as many safeties on the field at a time. And that doesn't mean there aren't room for hybrid positions or some of those nickel defenses, different packages where you want guys who can play safety and also run with receivers as corners. But certainly the depth right now isn't there. And unfortunately for Arizona, they don't have the practices to try to build that depth. But like you said, some of the best options to move Mackenzie Barnes, junior cornerback, who may be one of the odd men out in the cornerback room could move to that spot. Roland Wallace, Brendan Schooler, I think is an easy choice because he does have experience there, and you're not taking... Arizona has depth at receiver. We talked about that last week, too. It's going to be hard for him to find consistent reps as a receiver. His pass to the field might be a lot... Well, probably would be a lot easier as a safety, especially now. So, especially if he's fine with that. If he didn't transfer saying, I'm transferring to be a receiver, then I could see that being the easy move right there. He has experience. He has a desire to play it. Done. Brendan Schooler, you're now a safety for Arizona. Of course, Mayjean Wright who could be another one, has that size to play that position. And I feel like, I mean, Arizona has had some freshmen come in and play a good safety. And this defense experience will matter quite a bit because your safeties need to make the right reads, take the right angles on plays. So I'd rather have the experience there, which might mean a veteran cornerback like a Mackenzie Barnes. But overall, it's hard to be, well, you can't be at all confident in the safety group right now. And mostly because the guys that are going to playing those spots haven't done it for Arizona. So either it's, even if it's guys like Short, Turner, Wallace, or Young, like Wallace has some experience. He started nine games, has appeared in 36. But he's not a guy that you've relied on as a safety to be a strong performer back there. Of course, Christian Young has had his starts, but he's not exactly the most versatile safety. So it's really interesting to see what they're going to do but unfortunately because they haven't had a chance to have a better idea of what they want to do with practices. Yeah, I mean, the Christian Young is going to start at strong safety, you would expect, yeah. just based on upside, size, talent level. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Brendan Schooler, because I feel like the most likely outcome is some light Ironman football from him where he gets maybe 15 snaps as a receiver and 15 or 20 snaps as a strong safety or something like that, right? And just kind of gives some guys some reps. Um, I actually really like Jackson Turner. And from what I had understood, it was he was showing pretty well as a freshman last year uh, in camp and then kind of got hurt. Um, you know, played, I think, a lot on uh, special teams. A lot of special teams. So, I, you know, he's a guy who I think he could be one of the few guys that you could say, hey, that's going to be the guy that surprises people. And I think Jarius Wallace, 
you know, he's going to be a senior. I think if he's your starter, it's fine. <laughs> you know, he's a little undersized, but he's reliable and, you know, a decent player. I think in an ideal world, if you had, like, you could have Roland Wallace uh, or Mackenzie Barnes playing safety and then in the nickel thing move up and have Jerry Wallace move back there, or you could do it with, you know, bring in the corners. There's some, there's some pieces to move around. Um, and this is where it would have been nice to have a full spring camp to figure that out. Exactly. Um, you know, because at least, at least as is, the safeties, are, there's only two spots, right? And so there's probably not going to be as much moving around in the safety spots, at least. Like, there kind of was between the spur and the bandit and, you know. In all the old defense, this would be a much bigger deal. And possibly in the old defense, not all these guys would have transferred because they would have seen that path to playing time. Yeah, I mean, Reddy Short was like a high three-star uh, oh, I think he's even a forced, low four-star in some recruiting things. I think we got him. He decommitted, I think, from UCLA, and I don't even think he's seen the field on special teams yet. Um, which, that's by the time if you've been around for a couple years, that's usually not a good sign. No, he has um, not appeared in any games as a Wildcat. Yeah. So you know, speaking of a guy that's like, he's he's either gonna do something this year or he's gonna be the guy that it. Uh, you know, decides he's leaving at the end of the season, right? Um, to to go to greener pastures and find some playing time, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think it makes sense for us to kind of talk about these position groups because I think there's going to be some blending across them uh, before it's all said and done. And I feel better about the safety room when you move a couple of those corners over. <laughs> and I, Assuming and I don't do it. You know, yeah, you have true. To have this belief, and and that's where the that's where practices would have been huge. Because they could have tried Roland Wallace at safety, ask him to do safety things, ask Mackenzie Barnes to do safety things, and see who can handle it. And to be fair, like a lot of these secondary positions are somewhat, they're somewhat hybrids, right? Like if you can play cornerback, a lot of corners in the NFL, when they get a little bit slower, a little bit older, they move to safety. The skills translate to a large degree. But right now, just Arizona, there's not, you don't have safeties where you could say, that guy was good last season or that guy was consistent last season so you know what to expect this next season and unfortunately with a young secondary like they're going to have you need your safeties to be on top of things now it's again the entire secondary will look better if the front seven can get a pass rush like safeties and corners will have a lot easier time and make more plays and be like ooh, these guys are actually pretty good if they can get a better pass rush but just on paper right now safety is a very weak spot for this team not not that there's just absolute garbage there but just there's nothing proven. There's nothing that you can say. Yep, that's set. That's yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can, convince myself of a realistic path to success for the the position group if everything goes right. Right. The problem is when you have such little depth. There's also the, you know, there's the path to oh god, who's hey hey you in the stands? Can you play free safety? Well, but you even said like if everything goes right, you could see that path. Everything goes right. You could see a way that'll be good, right? And yeah, they said, there's there's some talent there. There's some there's some intriguing players that are going to play safety, and if guys like Brennan Schooler do move over there, or Christian Roland Wallace or Mackenzie Barnes moves to safety, then all of a sudden you look at that room and say, okay, okay, there's going to be some options here. But just like, and it's a lot easier to expect a guy who played cornerback all last season to move to safety and have early success than you know, like we saw Jamari Joyner play quarterback, move there to receiver. It's like, oh, that's completely different position other than knowing where receivers have to be as a quarterback like it's a completely different skill set safety and corner isn't that different in a lot of ways and you have to think with this coaching staff they'll know better than just to throw guys in positions or in spots and just say go without having any idea so it might be a situation where early in the season guys like Wallace and Young are the main ones because they have the most experience but then by the third game the fourth game people like Roland Wallace or Mackenzie Barnes whoever it is that's they're looking to transition to that spot, especially without the practice time. They start to see more reps and more plays at those positions and maybe overtake them or the other guys because they are the more talented players. But when you're hoping for that to be the case, or you're saying, I think they can play this position and play it well, that's a big difference than saying, I know they got this locked down. Yeah, and you know we've talked a lot the last couple months about the new coaching staff and their, you know, they should ostensibly be great developers of talent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, not, and kind of tacticians, right? And to me, Christian Young of the 
position groups we've talked about, at least on defense, is like the guy that stands out as the one who might stand to benefit the most from coaches that really can maximize his talent level. Because I think his upside is very high. His physical tools are very, you know, very strong. And if they can turn him into, like, they could, there's a realistic chance that he could become like an all pack 12 strong safety with the right coaching and with a good pass rush in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been so inconsistent to date. So to me, he's, you know, at least of the people we've talked about, he's one of those guys where you can really see that value. And I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be the case for this entire team. But certainly, like, we've, we've gone through position groups. The two we did last week, we each had pretty good confidence in with reason because we've seen it from those players. Or you, you, it's not even like if everything goes right. You just see the path for the talent to come through cornerback I agree I think there's some good talent like I like Lorenzo Burns he's experienced and he's played well like he's not a superstar but he's a very solid college cornerback for Arizona I think Bobby Wolf was a four-star like you said so there's potential there Roland Wallace was good if he ends up sticking in there there's there's talent at corner which will likely mean safety will not be an issue because guys can move there especially the bigger corners like Roland Wallace like Mackenzie Barnes but certainly if I had to pick one run to say who's going to have the better season between which group, cornerbacks or safeties. It's cornerbacks all day. But safety does have some promise. It does have some potential. Just you have to hope that the coaching staff can allow them to realize that. Yeah, and I think I think the dark horse is moving Majon right to safety too. Even as a freshman, he could have an impact. Like his, I think his brother plays safety in the NFL, his older brother. And, you know, we talked about the the transfer waiver rule. If that applies to football, too, there could be some, you know, there's still some playing time available, plenty of playing time available to those uh, guys that don't have a home for the next season, whatever, whether that's in the fall or if it's delayed, right? And that's also um, this whole time off with the coronavirus hurts because if players went through camp and realized there's no spot for them where they're at, but, ooh, all of a sudden there's opportunity at Arizona. Maybe I'm going to look into transferring there. Well, that stuff point. hasn't had a chance to really happen yet. So, like, what the safety room is right now, even with what the secondary, the cornerbacks are, there might be more players who get added, you know, another player or two who can play safety who get added to this roster before the season starts. Yeah. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny because we've gone through four position groups now, and this is a team that won four games last season. We don't know if you sound all like, oh, God, this team is going to be so bad again. So I can see why it might sound a little bit optimistic, but one, this is the time of year to be optimistic. And two, when you have a young team and guys who were fairly highly regarded recruits starting to earn those roles or transition into key roles into more playing time, I think there's reason to be optimistic that, you know what, maybe they are as good as advertised and they're going to up the talent level on this team. Yeah, I think, you know, I was thinking earlier in the day about this season. I think it's going to apply to most of these position groups, but I think... The corners and safeties are that kind of, you know, we talk about trusting the process with the young guys and building it up from, you know, the recruiting classes, uh, the underrated guys, getting some guys that are developmental projects. You know, the the path to success for someone in crew is the schedule is not too bad to start the season, right? Uh, and if you can get the if you can win those games, get some confidence, get some experience in the young guys, get some development with the players. You know, that's. That's how optimism can like actually play through the whole season. If they're if they don't get that figured out in the first, you know, couple games, and they they start one and four or two and three, that's where. And you know that's that's not to say that they're not actually if given the chance and time to, that they would develop. But you know, I don't think Kevin Sumlin and crew are going to be given that option. But right, right. this is this is all part of the process. And then <laughs> you know, I. I the, the the biggest th- reason for pessimism so far for me is, other than the fact that they were a 4-8 and eight team, is not having spring for the new defense really, really frightens me. Yeah, and it should. But. It absolutely should. And that's going to make it tough because, again, the players that were recruited to this defense were recruited to a different defense for the most part. So Arizona hired Paul Rhodes late in the process, and they had to add a lot, a couple more coaches later in the process and then don't have a chance to really install that defense and learn who can do what best. Like, they might have ideas, because there's film on most of them, and there's history with most of these guys. Of course, like, they were recruited, there's film. But it would have been a lot easier for them to start penciling players into roles, especially new roles, if they were able to work with them on the field and get that type of film 
and that type of on-field, hands-on experience with teaching them what they're supposed to be doing. Can this guy respond to coaching? If he makes that mistake because he doesn't notice the position, and I say, hey, do this, does he pick it up quickly and well? And they don't have that opportunity. And I do think if and when, like we said, June 1st, players might be allowed to start you know, voluntarily doing some workouts, it's hard to imagine football starting without any type of, I don't know if it would be spring ball, like some fall ball maybe, to get these guys somewhat into tune. But even then, in a normal year, you have spring ball, then you have the entire summer to go over that and build off of what you did and what you need to work on before you get back into camp before the season starts. So Arizona won't have that luxury. Some programs will because their, their spring balls went earlier in the year before all this stuff went bad. Arizona was on just bad luck in that regard. It's not their fault, but that very well could cost them. And in terms of projecting this roster right now, it absolutely did cost them. Yeah. So. <sighs> be nice if sports could come back, but in time. Hey, you know what's good there, Adam? We were starting to get way too optimistic, and then that talk really brought us back down to reality. <laughs> yeah. I don't want people thinking that, these, that we <laughs> think that Arizona's going to be this great team. They won four games last season. We know that. But also, I think both you and I agree that the coaching, if the coaching is even just slightly better, the talent is there to improve. Doesn't mean they're going to win the Pac-12 South. Doesn't mean they're going to be this great team. But they'll be much more competitive than they were last season, which when you're competitive, you have a chance to win more games. Yeah. So, hey. so that's back to optimism. Ish. The roller coaster. <laughs> has come to an end, I think, for this week. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And as always, you know, catch us. If you have any questions, tweet us at Wildcat Radio AZ. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us. And we've got these different shows. Uh, Bryant and the gang have been doing these play-by-plays of Arizona basketball games, like these rewatch play-by-plays. They did the Arizona-Gonzaga game, I believe, was the most recent one. And it's good times because they're picking – Picking games that Arizona won. Hey. <laughs> I I mean, it'd be kind of fun to just do like Mystery Science three Theater three thousand three. God, I can't speak. Mystery Science Theater three thousand style for one of the like awful games, like the the Houston game at nine a.m. from a couple years ago oh, where we were. That was brutal. But all, mainly because we also like in the second half made it suddenly like what? Well, they're not that far down anymore but they were never you know they were never coming back but that was <laughs> it'd be fun to just have snarky comments to that whole game <laughs> i went to a wedding that day with a bunch of people who are asu fans so the fun thing was like oh at least i get to watch my game in the morning before having to leave for the wedding and then it's like i'd rather not have done that <laughs> <laughs> you showed up to the, the wedding at 11 30 in the morning and they're like adam why are you already hammered and also just <laughs> For reference, that was a day ASU hosted Michigan State and beat them on a last-second field goal. So the beginning, like, it was a great day. My friend loved the guy. The wedding was fantastic. But football-wise, it bookended very poorly. Both it started terribly and ended terribly for me. But they had a good day, all of them. Yeah. So, you know. I, I still don't know how D'Antonio didn't get fired after that game because he <laughs> made, like, 12 just, like, completely illogical things like he was actively trying to not win the game yeah i mean whatever the case may be he did not win the game and that just made my football day that much worse so on that terrible note brett and now we're back back in the doldrums yeah i guess the roller coaster <laughs> wasn't over but thank, again, thanks for tuning in we'll catch up with you next week and until then remember to bear down bear down <laughs>